One of the main focal points that I've been talking about throughout the entirety of the season is the goalie setup for the Devils organization. Well, a special guest is joining me on today's show to provide some insight about the overall behind-the-scenes action of how a typical day is like for a Devils netminder. He will also talk about how he worked his way up from being a former D3 athlete to becoming a part of the team for a short period of time. Buckle up, everybody. This episode is going to be fun. Trust me. You're Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. Alrighty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Chaki, play-by-play announcer, and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. Joining me is a very special guest. He is an Ocean, New Jersey native, former goaltender for the University of Southern Maine and New England College. He currently works as an assistant coach for the New Jersey Junior Titans of the North American Hockey League, but you might remember him as the emergency backup goalie for the New Jersey Devils back in January. It's Kyle Shapiro. Kyle, how you doing, my friend? Doing pretty well. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Just trying to keep riding this ride out for as long as possible here. What, being the New Jersey Devils uh, emergency backup goalie? Yeah, it's been it's been a crazy few months since the middle of January, and it's been, it's been a ton of fun ever since. Hey, not everyone uh, reaches the NHL level, and, you know, even though you didn't play, you still – got the chance to be on the roster card. You got the chance to be on the bench. So, you know, you should be very proud of your achievements. And we'll talk about the process of getting to there momentarily. But uh, I just want to say, I talk about goalies all the time on this show, sometimes good and sometimes bad. But it's nice to actually have someone who has firsthand experience with the goalie set up in the Devils organization. Because, as you know, you were brought up when they were dealing with a bit of injuries. John Gillies needed a backup. So, they were the you were the first man that they called so uh i want to start off at the beginning where did hockey begin for you hockey began when i was nice and young just like everybody else um my dad bringing me to devil games just enjoying every moment of it obviously you know being a 93 birth here you grow up watching the best devils teams that they've ever had right You, you see the teams that won all the stanley cups and get to watch one of the greatest goalies of all hockey so it all kind of started my dad just taking me to games casually and just kind of fell in love with the sport it was pretty hard not to fall in love with it because the devils were so good at the time marty brodeur greatest goalie of all time easy yeah 100%. thank you thank you i i tried telling my colleagues that locked on that but they 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 don't say they don't like them they don't like i'm always in for a good argument but i don't think there's much there there's not much there to argue thank you all-time all-time wins leaders um shutouts like like come on guys marty brodeur they say you, you, they can't they say that you know wins doesn't determine a good goalie but i'm just like okay if wins or shutouts don't determine a good goalie then uh, I don't know what, what you consider to be a good goalie, but in my book, Marty Brodeur, three championships, Vesna Trophy winner, um, Jennings Trophy winner. So I, I don't I don't know what else, I don't know what else to say about him. So I'm glad that you and I are on the same page in that regards. Marty Brodeur. Yeah, Marty Brodeur, greatest goalie. You've heard it here on Locked On Devils. So 
Uh, talk about the process of getting to the college level, because like I said, you played for the University of Southern Maine, then New England College. So what was your process like of just getting recruited and just trying to reach the college level? So all those aspirations started probably coming in when I was a freshman or so in high school. Um, I had decided to go to a private school, Christian Brothers Academy, and it was more based on the fact that I wanted to go play hockey in high school and kind of try taking things to the next level. And I kind of realized I I had a little bit of an ability to play and that maybe the college hockey landscape was on the horizon somewhere. So as I got to my junior year of high school, I decided to go play what was junior B hockey at the time, kind of the next step along with high school. So I found a team here in New Jersey, the New Jersey Hitmen, and was able to was lucky enough to play for them my junior year and senior high school. So after that happened, you know, I ended up getting recruited by a junior team up in Walpole, Massachusetts, that played in the Atlantic Junior Hockey League. And after I played there for a little while, I was there for three years. I was able to kind of, you know, start getting looks from colleges, a few Division One schools, and then obviously a bunch of Division Three schools as well. And just kind of when it all happened, I decided it was time to take my uh, to take everything to Southern Maine. Uh, it was a place that I kind of fell in love with. It's just about how recruiting goes for just about anybody in any sport. It's just a little bit differently with the junior hockey lifestyle of hockey, right? Unless you're the most talented and the top tier of the top tier, you are you don't usually go at 18 years old. Right? There's only those select few kids. So I was just lucky enough to play the junior hockey that ended up allowing me to get looks from the college hockey level. So what was some of the high points when you reached the college level? Because like I said, you played for uh, Maine for the first few years, and then you ended up going over to uh, the school in New England. So overall, like what was some of the high points in your college uh, career? A lot of stuff was a lot of stuff was good. But I mean, the friendships and everything that I made, you know, the stuff that I always look back on. But obviously the stuff on the ice the, the team up at Southern Maine, we were we were building and kind of rebuilding a lot. So we were at the bottom of the division, playing a lot. You know, playing playing the top teams was tough here and there, but it was a lot of fun for me being a goalie, right? You got a lot of work, and being able to play against the top teams in the country was a lot of fun. Uh, as we got to my junior year, it was kind of when we started having a little bit more success. We were beating some of the top teams every now and then. We found a way to beat UMass Boston a couple times when they were ranked in the top 10 in the country, we were able to kind of start taking Norwich to the brink a little bit when, you know, they're ranked top five every year. So those kind of games were, were a ton of fun. And then as I went to New England college, I wanted to kind of just finish out my college career the right way. And it was on a team that was looking for a goal. who was just in the championship game of the conference the year before. And it gave me an opportunity to compete at an even higher level with a little bit better of a hockey team. And we were able to take down some of those teams like Norwich, take down a Baptist who plays in the top 15 every year. And, you know, just some of those big wins are the things that kind of stick out to me because unfortunately we lost in the quarterfinals of playoffs every year I was in college. 
So it was a lot of those regular season big wins over some top teams in the countries that stick out to me. I got to ask you this because I go to a D3 school, Adrian College, big on its hockey programs. We just won the national championship for D3. Um, you you're, you were kind of before my time. Did you ever play against Adrian College or do you have any familiarity with Adrian College at all? Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to know about Adrian. They've, they've been the top of hockey for, for a little while out there in Michigan. And I never ventured that far west with the teams that I played for. I think the furthest team west I ever played was Hobart, I believe. A team out in uh, like the middle of New York, western New York. We never made our way out to play in all those teams out in Michigan or Wisconsin or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to know about Adrian. I mean, top of the top for a little while here, as you said, just winning that from championship this year. So it's hard not to know about him. Yeah, uh, head coach is Adam Krug, who is the brother of Tory Krug, who plays in the NHL. So uh, very, very uh, hockey-oriented family and I'm, I actually have done play-by-play announcing for their organization as well. So, so you know, very familiar with uh, D3 and the overall atmosphere uh, at Adrian College. So just had to ask you that. So while you were in college, did you ever feel as though there was a legitimate chance of you playing in the NHL? In that sort of aspect, I, I you know, I know some of the guys who just won the national championship for Adrian College, I know that they're not going to be playing at the NHL. They could play ECHL, maybe AHL if they get lucky. Definitely, I'm sure there's some overseas opportunities. But did you ever think that you would reach the NHL level coming from a D3 school? Yeah, I don't think that was ever the dream at that point. I think a lot of it was, like you had just said, the East Coast Hockey League, maybe even a little bit in the Southern Professional League or to look overseas. To look overseas. But I think the NHL had kind of gone by the wayside probably senior year of high school a little bit. I think you kind of see the writing on the wall that, you know, if you don't really put the work in now, it's not going to be there. And I think just for myself at that point, you know, going on 18, I had left a little bit to be desired. So I kind of saw that dream fade away. But I think when I got to the division three level, yeah, I definitely, you know, some East coast aspirations, maybe even touch the American league, but there was never anything what had happened to me a few months ago. That's for sure. So uh, after you uh, completed your playing career, you ended up becoming an assistant coach for the New Jersey junior Titans for the North American hockey league. Um, What was that process like uh, transitioning from being a player to now being a coach? Yeah, it's been a ton of fun. I mean, after college was over, I did try to transition a little bit out of hockey and try to work in the business world and stuff like that. That kind of lasted a couple of weeks at the most. I started to sit behind a desk and was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to be for me. I think I need to kind of be active and still be in hockey. It was about all I knew from the day I was five, year old, five years old. So the transition kind of happened as uh, I knew a, a good buddy of mine back here in New Jersey knew the two coaches of this team very well and funny enough I actually used to play against my two current assistant coach and the head coach that I work for I used to play against them when I was younger as they were getting started in coaching and so they knew a little bit about me I knew a little bit about them and we got hooked up by a mutual friend that was tight with both of us on both sides and they just kind of were willing to get me involved you know just 
intern in my first year, basically, kind of see if this would be a right fit for me, if this is something I wanted to do. They were willing to give me the opportunity to come out and learn and do just a little bit about everything. So it was a ton of fun trans transitioning into it as I was able to basically learn everything. I was, they gave me an opportunity to go away from the goaltending a little bit as you know, I grew up being a goalie. They, they helped me learn a lot more about the other parts of the game as well. So it's been a ton of fun transition into it. I'm in my third season now here and I couldn't be happier that I made the decision to come over here and be a coach now. Okay. So Kyle, we have a lot more to discuss momentarily in terms of you becoming the emergency backup goalie for the New Jersey Devils. But before we continue, uh, I want to give my watchers and listeners uh, the first uh, couple live reads this morning. The first one comes from HelloFresh, and uh, Kyle, I'm going to get you hip to it. So with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip to the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Get farm fresh seasonal produce and easy-to-make recipes delivered right to your doorstep every week. Ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in under a week, so they always arrive fresh, all without the trip to the grocery store or farmer's market. I know we're both uh, pretty busy people, so sometimes, you know, can't really make the trip to the grocery store too often. But, you know, with HelloFresh, it definitely makes things a lot easier. So the offer is go to HelloFresh.com slash LockedOn16 and use the code LockedOn16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash LockedOn16 and use the code LOCKEDON16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. And now, the second live read comes from our friends at rockauto.com. So with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now possible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter or as the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every consumer. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website to find a solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com, everybody. All right, Kyle, so back to business. We're going uh, from you being a former college athlete to being a coach, and now you become the emergency backup goalie for the New Jersey Devils organization. What was that process like? Yeah, so it was kind of happened pretty fast for me. I, I knew about it a little bit, and obviously, you know, with the COVID stuff going on over the last two years, they didn't even really have the emergency backup role. Um, one of the guys that I work with, one of our coworkers here, Gary Biggs, used to be an emergency goalie back before all COVID started, and he still is now. And now he was just – he knows the guy over the devil, Scott Litwack, who runs the whole emergency goalie situation and everything over there. And at the beginning of the year, Gary was like, hey, we're looking to get some other guys involved. I'm going to tell Scotty you're doing it. And I was like, all right, sounds good. Just let – you know, tell him to shoot me an email, give me a call, whatever he's got to do to get me involved and let me know what's going on. And it kind of just took on a life of its own from there. There's about 
six or seven of us that do some games for the Devils and just kind of hang out and go watch the games and are there on standby just in case. So it kind of just happened pretty fast. I didn't really feel like I had much say in it. Gary was just like, yeah, you're going to do it because you're going to help me out and you're going to help Scotty out. It's like, all right, sounds good. You just let me know. I'm a Devil fan. So when he said I could go to games for free and enjoy the games, I was like, yeah, sure. Just let me know what I got to do. So that 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 has to be a good deal because you have the possibility of possibly suiting up and playing for them. But at the same time, you get to go to the games for free. But, you know, you do have to be ready, like, you know, in case something does go down and they do need you. So, you you know, you can't just like lay back and drink like three beers or whatever the case might be. You actually got to be ready to go out there and, and, and suit up. But. Let's go back to the big day. Back in January, John Gillies is in need of a backup when the New Jersey Devils head over to uh, to play the New York Islanders. And what was that phone call like, uh, if, if that's how it went down, you get from Tom Fitzgerald saying that you were going to suit up for them against the Islanders. What was that process like? Yeah, so it all kind of started on the Tuesday before the game. I had just gotten off the ice from practice here with my team. And Scotty, the guy that I deal with up there, was just like, hey, I might need you for practice tomorrow. Uh, we're just dealing with a few things. I'll let you know later if I need you or not. That was probably around 1.30-ish on that Tuesday. And, you know, just as the day goes on, you start seeing stuff on Twitter and everything of what's going on. And that was when Schmid and Blackwood were dealing with some health protocol issues. And so you saw they – both possibly getting placed in protocol. You see Schmid gets placed in protocol. And then Scotty calls me later that night at probably like 7 o'clock. was like, hey, so I actually need you tomorrow. Um, and I just sent him the phone. I was like, oh, so Blackwood got put in protocol too, I guess. And um, he was just like, yeah, so I'm going to need you to come back with us tomorrow because we need another goalie. I said, all right, no problem. Works out. Wednesdays are usually our day off here. We just do a little bit of video work and, you know, the guys have a light day here for our hockey team. So the two coaches I work with are like, yeah, no problem. Go help them out. You know, Scotty's been great to us and everything. So go help them out for the day. So just like, all right, Scotty, sounds good. Let me know what time I got to be there. All that kind of stuff. Told me to be there around 10 o'clock the next morning just for COVID protocol stuff. And he even joked with me over the phone on Tuesday night. He's like, maybe we may even need to address for us on Thursday. And I said, yeah, okay, sounds good. Just laughed it off and everything. Little did we know it was going to become a reality in about 18 hours. So I just went out, got there early, did some uh, COVID stuff. I did like a quick rapid test just to obviously for the safety of their players and everything. So went through that whole process, hopped on the ice around noon, had a nice little practice. It was a ton of fun being able to be out there, enjoying it, seeing how they run a practice. You know, it was a good pregame practice for them. So it was a quick one. It was about 35, 45 minutes. And um, after practice was over, just hanging out in the locker, getting undressed, getting ready to head back to work down here. And Scotty comes in the locker room. I was like, hey, so we're going through some stuff with the league right now. Um, you know, the Islanders haven't played in, I believe it was like 11 or 12 days at that time of the year. The Devils were going through, obviously, the COVID stuff and – they were trying to just figure out some logistics about the game the next night. Scotty was like, just give me about 10, 15 minutes. 10, 15 minutes. I'll be able to figure out what's going on. I know Fitzy's on the phone with the league and everything right now. 
It's like, all right, sounds good, man. I'll shower up. I'll hang out for a bit. You just come on down and let me know what's going on. And about 15 minutes later, he comes back down and says, yeah, so we're actually going to need you to back up for us tomorrow night. And I said, okay, that sounds good. You just let me know what I have to do now. And obviously, I think the first call for me was to my dad. And because he's like, hey, do you going to need anybody there? I was like, yeah, let me call my dad. And he was like, all right, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to bring. Be back for the bus at 7 o'clock tonight. And then it all just kind of took on a life of its own from there. It, it's so funny how life can change in, an, in, in in a nanosecond like that because you literally just said you went from like just saying, yeah, this is never going to happen to now it actually becoming a reality. And this has to be a huge whirlwind for you because now you're being covered by Amanda Stein. You're, you're doing press releases. You're uh, answering questions to the press, wherever the case might be. And you actually you know, become, you know, kind of, kind of famous within the devil's organization in, in a matter of a day or two. What was that just um, feeling like, just knowing that you, you're now being covered by the New Jersey devils, you're being interviewed, you're being talked about on social media, wherever the case might be. That's gotta be kind of, of a surreal feeling. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, hundred percent. I think honestly, they did a pretty good job of keeping it quiet for as long as possible. I know, you know, throughout the whole day Thursday, it didn't get put out there until, until probably 3.30, 4 o'clock. I just remember, you know, obviously a few of my buddies and everything knew, uh, the coaches that I was working with knew, and the team that I coached knew, and obviously my parents. But they, are, they, they did a pretty good job of keeping it quiet until about 4 o'clock the day of the game. And then that's definitely when things got crazy, when they started sending stuff out there about, hey, we signed Kyle Shapiro to an ATO to back us up. And that's when my phone started blowing up like crazy from Instagram to Facebook to text messages to everything. And then, yeah, like you said, once, you know, you get to the game that night, they have you do the media stuff beforehand. And then I was lucky enough to still be able to practice with them the Friday after the game. And then that's when even more of the media stuff happens, right? They're bringing you in there for News 12 New Jersey, some more stuff with Amanda. It was just crazy. And then, you know, the subsequent stuff that's happened since that day has been absolutely insane. To be to be linked to a story like this has been pretty incredible. And like I was saying at the beginning, just to enjoy every second of it, whether it was the four days there or we're going on three months now, it's been a ton of fun every step of the way. So you said it was fun every step of the way. So you said you attended the optional practice you're relaxing in the hotel because the Devils were on the road and you go to like sitting on the bench and staying ready to possibly go in. What was that whole day like? Cause you talked about from the media side of days, but just like internally for you, just trying to go about it as like, it's a normal game because here you are, you're, you're a coach or retired college athlete. And now you just went from all that to now possibly maybe stepping foot on a sheet of ice at the NHL level. Like what was that whole day like? Yeah, it was, a, it was a ton of fun. I think one of the things one of the guys I worked with said to me that I just tried to do the whole time was take everything in. It's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Enjoy every second of it. Uh, live in the moment. And, hey, if it happens and you get in, just start smiling because it's the only time you're ever going to get in the NHL. So the, the beginning of the day was fun. Uh, being able to go out for morning skate was a ton of fun just because – 
that was a, obviously a little bit more relaxed, right? You can enjoy being at UBS Arena, a brand new arena, take it all in, and just enjoy the 40 minutes you're on the ice there. You get some more good work in and enjoy some NHL caliber shots. So that was a ton of fun being out there and being able to enjoy that. And, you know, being in an NHL empty arena is pretty special and pretty cool to just be able to sit there and look around and enjoy the sights and, you know, what the brand new building had to offer. Um, obviously, the, the breakfast, the lunch, it was all top notch. You know, that's all NHL caliber. Trying to figure out how we can get those team meals to our team here in New Jersey because those are something special, those team meals. And I think another thing I tried to enjoy the most was being able to watch how Lindy Ruff and his staff are able to go about their day. I thought it was important for me to kind of see how they do things, to see what I could bring back to New Jersey and be able to impart on our guys here and try to make our product even better. So like my coach was saying that I work with, I was just trying to take a little bit of everything in because it was going to be a once in a lifetime experience. Obviously um, you went, you went behind the scenes and you're able to, you know, take those lessons learned from uh, just being around the organization and apply it to your daily life. And you're right. Uh, but for the, for that brief moment of going behind the scenes, being in the locker room, seeing how the coaches go about their days. Uh, I want to talk about some of the interactions you had with uh, some of the players. If you did, like who, who would you say had like the biggest personality in that locker room uh, without ratting anyone out, can you just give us a behind-the-scenes uh, look of the Devils' locker room? Uh, yeah, they they were all great. It was a ton of fun to be a part of that. They they brought me in like I was part of the team from the second I stepped on the ice on Wednesday. So when they realized I was going to be backing up for them on Thursday night, they made me feel a part of it from the second I got there. And, you know, it's hard not to mention PK, right? He's a polarizing figure on and off the ice. And, like, his persona and everything is out of this world, right? He's just – he's a great guy, and he was great to me every second that I was there. And even the other guys, right, the younger guys, like Jack, Ty Smith, you know, Nico being their captain, they were all incredible. They all have a great personality. They're, they're building one heck of a culture there in New Jersey. I think Lindy and his staff have done a great job. You know, Fitzy's done a great job as well. They have a great room a great young core of guys who all respect each other and all want to be a part of something important and big. And I think, you know, what they're building is pretty special there in New Jersey. It's, it was, it wasn't the most fun year this year, obviously with COVID and some sickness and some goaltending issues and everything with Blackwood being out for a while, but they've got a great group of guys there that are willing to all be a part of something bigger and special because they all get it and they all, invest in themselves and invest in each other to the umpteenth degree. And it, it was a ton of fun to see them, you know, sitting at lunch and everything with them as well. Just talking about life, talking about the Jersey Shore, talking about a little bit of everything. So it's a great group of guys that they have there. And I think they're building something pretty special. I, that's great to hear because I love uh, their overall chemistry. You're right. It has been a bit of a disappointing year, but the surgeons of Jesper Brat, uh, Jack Hughes, and Nico Heischer as well. Just you, you cannot deny that, you know, they have a young big three that could be up and coming in the next couple of years. And Jack Hughes being named an all-star this year, Nico Heischer being an all-star a couple of years ago, and Jesper Brat, in my opinion, being one of the more heavily underrated players in the NHL. 
I feel as though they do have something special. There's going to be some changes come the offseason, but I'm here for it. But let's talk about uh, game time. You have to do the rookie lap. With, for anyone who doesn't know what the rookie lap is, it's like if you're a rookie on a team, this is also very uh, important in college as well. If you're new to the team, you have to do one lap around the rink before the rest of the team comes out. So what was that feeling like? Because you're not in front of the Devils faithful, you're in front of their rivals. So what was it like just doing that kind of quote unquote embarrassing rookie lap, if you would say, because it, it's tradition, but at the same time, doesn't make it any less embarrassing. Yeah, I think one of the best parts about it was hopping on the ice and, you know, I had a lot of people in the building that night, the people that I work with, their families, uh, my mom, my dad, and a couple of people on my cousin's side of the family, a bunch of friends came and a bunch of uh, a bunch of players from my team were able to be there. So being able to hop out on the ice and, you know, hear them going crazy because they got, they were able to get down by the tunnel and be able to watch me skate out and everything and just hear them start going crazy. See my parents there and everything and see a couple of the guys I coach. I think that was a pretty special moment of the whole thing. Um, obviously, you know, I had to do it without a helmet on. So that was a little scary and nerve wracking at times as I was skating around out there. I just wasn't, you know, I was hoping I just didn't fall. And I was just hoping that I hit the net with the two pucks I shot on net. I don't think the second one got off the ice, but it at least went into the back of the net. So the coolest part about the whole thing was seeing everybody that I know in the building, just with a big, as big a smile on their face as I had on mine. Well, that's that's really cool. And now uh, you didn't play, but you still had to stay ready on the bench. So while you're soaking up the entire atmosphere, you got to be aware that Lindy Ruff can put you in at any given moment. And I presume that you were like sitting on pins and needles, just like saying like, oh, boy, well, what could possibly happen? Is John Gillies going to get hurt? Am I going to have to go in? Uh, like I said, I think it's sort of like a pins and needles type of feeling. So what was that overall feeling like just sitting on the bench and just knowing that I can go in at any given moment? Yeah, I think that's a big thing people have been surprised about with the whole thing. You know, I wasn't that nervous, to be honest with you. I think, you know, one of their equipment managers hangs out down the end of the bench down there and everything. And, you know, his name's Nate. And I think Nate did a great job with me, honestly, just keeping me laughing throughout the game, you know, just trying to enjoy it instead of being nervous about, you know, what could possibly happen if John goes down for, for whatever reason. So I kind of give him a lot of credit. He was able to keep me laughing and keep me engaged, kept telling me to make sure I get the door open. We don't need too many men on the ice penalties tonight. So just kind of focused on that, enjoying some laughs with Nate and everything during TV timeouts and all that good stuff. And, you know, I, I, I kind of give him a lot of credit for keeping me not as nervous as I probably should have been during the whole thing. So it was just a ton of fun to be down there and see the game at that pace and, see it at that level and just make sure we didn't have any too many men on the ice penalties that night. <laughs> Seems like that was your only uh, stop to make, which was just prevent uh, the Devils from going to the sin bin for too many uh, men on the ice. But let's talk about uh, P.K. Subban now, because it seems like based on what I saw on social media, it seems like P.K. Subban was your veteran and he was and uh, you were his rookie. So um what was like your interaction with pk suban like because he posted about you on his instagram page he also uh, left a comment on your instagram page as well after you talked about the experience what was the uh interaction like with pk suban was he sort of like your veteran and was did you consider uh him to be um like your leader in that sort of aspect 
Yeah, PK's a first-class individual. You know, he came up to me at breakfast that Thursday morning. Uh, didn't get a chance to come over to me at practice the day before, but came up to me at breakfast that morning, you know, introduced himself. You know, it's it's hard not to notice PK, right? He's such a polarizing figure, nice and loud everywhere he goes. And he's just – he's a great dude in every aspect of on and off the ice. He kind of made it easy for me, right? Like, like I say, all the all the guys brought me in, like I was part of the team, and he made it, he was no different, and he was great to me from the second I was there. And for him to post about me on his Instagram is, you know, first class. He didn't have to do anything like that. That just, you know, gave me another sense of security that, you know, they got my back if something were to happen. So it was it was pretty cool to be a part of, and you know, he took me under his wing pretty nicely throughout the whole process. Process was extremely welcoming and I can't thank him enough for the way he treated me throughout the whole thing. He's a first class individual and you know he would yeah, he was great. He's he was just awesome to be around every second there. So my final question for you is you went from playing D three, you uh you didn't play professional, but you were able to become an assistant coach and now you got to suit up for an NHL game. What is your overall message to people who just keep grinding to make it to that next level and possibly achieve their uh, long-awaited hopes and dreams? Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to put it is just never give up on it. I mean, not saying I gave up on it, but, I mean, just sitting there coaching and everything, you never really think about it that, you know, you could see your name on the back of an NHL sweater one day. It wasn't the way I dreamed of getting there, but it happened. And the pictures that prove it, there's people that were there that saw it. So it's definitely just never give up on it. I mean, never stop believing in something because who knows what will happen. Like you, like you said before, it all happened in an instant. I was coaching a hockey practice on a Tuesday noon, and I was dressing a National Hockey League game at 7.30 on a Thursday night. So within 55, 56 hours, life changed for a little while. And it's something that I'll never forget. It's something that I hope people never give up on because it was a, it was a special 72 hours for me. And it's, it was emotional through the whole process. And it's something I'm never going to forget as long as I live. So I would like to thank my special guest, Kyle, for taking the time to uh, do this interview, talk about his experience as being a coach, uh, being a former college player, and then going on to become the emergency backup goalie for New Jersey Devils. Kyle, where can my listeners and watchers find you at? So we are located down in Middletown, New Jersey, the New Jersey Titans. We are in the middle of a pretty big playoff run right now. We are on hockey TV every Friday and Saturday night, basically. We are on our way to the Northeast Generals this weekend to play game three and game four of the, of the semifinals for our East Division. So we're located down in Middletown, New Jersey. Hopefully everything goes well this weekend. We'll we'll have some home games next weekend as well in the second round. And, you know, we'd love all the support we can get. The guys here work, work their bags off every single day. And, you know, the support only helps. So anything that that anybody would love to come out and see the New Jersey Titans, we are in Middletown, New Jersey. And we have a pretty good product on the ice. So come enjoy it and watch some Division I hockey players and hopefully help us win a championship in the next month or so. I've done work for Hockey TV as well as a play-by-play announcer, so I'll definitely be uh, tuning in. So once again, uh, Kyle, good luck to you and the rest of your playoff run. Congratulations on 
all that you achieved and reaching the NHL level and being the emergency backup goalie for the Devils. And the pleasure is always mine, man. So thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was a ton of fun. And uh, yeah, I appreciate everything. Thank you so much.